Greetings. You're listening to the Bonnie Boat Sailing Podcast. My name is Chris Smith. Whether you're a grizzled old salt, pining for the days of wire rope halyards, or a greenhorn, wondering what the hell a dolphin striker is, this is the podcast that seeks to fill the need for everybody's third most favorite pastime. That is, talking about sailing. Welcome to this week's episode of the Bonnie Boat Sailing Podcast. If you're just joining us, this first batch of episodes chronicles the refit and subsequent adventures of my wife Ryan and I aboard our 1967 Pearson Ariel Firefly. We spent two years on the hard fixing up the old girl and took her down the ICW from Virginia to the Florida Keys and back. Cheers! One of the hardest things about going off sailing is just leaving the dock. Apart from physically preparing the boat, being able to arrange our lives in order to check out for five or six months was a major challenge. I was fortunate to secure a leave of absence from my, from my job, and Ryan gave her two weeks' notice about four weeks early so as not to, to burn any bridges and anger the, uh, anger the bosses. Both our employers were supportive uh, and understanding and curious, uh, and I know we were lucky in that way and, and in many ways to be able to trip, make the trip happen. You know, anyone can save up money. Anyone can learn to fix up a boat. It just takes a little bit of hard work and time. Uh, but not everyone is in the position. Not everyone has the freedom or the flexibility to be able to step back from, quote, real life <laughs> and go sailing. Uh, and I know we, we are fortunate to have been able to do that. Um, and I think that's also the real conundrum of being a sailor these days. You know, sailing is slow. It, uh, it requires an investment of time, uh, energy, uh, attention. It requires an investment of self. You know, if when you get the bug, you start to identify as a sailor. You invest a lot of a lot of yourself in, into the into the activity. Um, you know, sailing has the reputation of being an expensive hobby, but the challenge isn't in the cost, you know, the, the dollar amount, but the cost in time. The reward, of course, is the chance to step outside the demands of constant productivity, constant distraction, and focus on the task at hand. So at any rate, we were fortunate to be in a position to take some time and to have an adventure. We had a lot of projects left to finish preparing for our trip. I think the biggest one was probably finishing the construction of our dinghy. So this is a blog post I wrote about that process called A Dinghy Named Bug. We're getting ready to get down over here at the Bonnie Boat. Ryan and I finished up our last week of work and are just about moved out of the land house. One of the last remaining major boat projects, among about 1.3 zillion minor to moderate projects, is the completion of our dinghy. We scoured the internet, searching for a used one of the appropriate dimensions, but to no avail. We considered an inflatable, but they don't row all that well and are expensive. So we decided to build our own. We chose a design called Scraps by John Wellsford, a small boat designer from New Zealand. It's a pretty little design and is supposedly easy and quick to build. Well, it's taken much longer and has been much more challenging than anticipated, but we're just about ready to slap some paint on and go for a spin. I think it would have been a much more pleasant project if we weren't under the gun to finish it quickly, but it's been cool to watch it come together. It's also surprisingly light. I don't think either of us will have any trouble hauling it about. We're planning on towing the dinghy most of the time, 
but it should fit on the cabin top behind the mast, barely, if the weather kicks up. So we had a, we had a lot of fun building building the dinghy, and uh, that was definitely one of the more rewarding projects of the uh, of the whole process. Just you know, kind of building building a boat from scratch, even if it's a little a little dinghy, it's, it, it's cool. It's cool to watch it come together. Uh, so Bug is a six foot pram, so she's got you know transom bow and stern. John Wellsford says it took him about eighteen hours to build the design. Uh, now he's a professional boat builder and boat designer. So it took us about 40, which which isn't really too bad if you think about it. Uh, so if you're not familiar with traditional boat building techniques, not that I'm particularly familiar with traditional boat building techniques, but if you purchase a set of plans from a designer for a dinghy or for anything, uh, you'll get a table of offsets, which is essentially a, a, list, a, it's a, t- a list of measurements above or below a center line and a baseline. So you essentially draw the whole boat out or the, all the parts of the boat out full size. And the shape of those parts is designed by points that you get from the table of offsets. So you kind of, you do this with the frames and you do this with all the fiber or the uh, plywood panels that get cut out. So you start drawing these points and then you take a flexible piece of wood and you, um, you nail some, some uh, nails into the, the points and stretch the wood across, and then if there's any kind of bumps or jumps in the wood, you kind of nudge the points until everything looks good. So you fare the curves, and that accounts for any kind of error on your part in in, in measuring, or sometimes, I guess, when the designer lifts his the measurements off of his design, it doesn't, you know, because it's it's going from a, he's, he makes the drawings on a piece of paper at small scale, sometimes the measurements don't always come out exact. So that's why you, you have to kind of go through that process of fairing the curves. But it's pretty cool. You start, you know, you can, you can see how the panels, when you cut them out, are going to fit together. So with bug, um, the way you build, or with, with scraps, you, the way you build it, is the frames serve as the building jig, which is, which is nice. It, sa- it saves a couple steps. So as we were starting to put this together, it, you know, she started looking like a giant bug and being that our, the, the mothership is named Firefly, it only made sense to, uh, to name the dinghy bug. So, so we cut everything out. Uh, we filled, you attach the, the plywood panels to the frames. You fill the gaps with thickened epoxy. Um, the design was intended to be a stitching glue method, which essentially as you, you, you cut the panels out as best you can, and along the, the, the joints where the panels meet, you join them by just running copper wire between the two panels. Uh, we didn't do that. Uh, for the most part, the cuts met up close enough that the, that epoxy would bridge the gap. Uh, I'm not going to say that all of the cuts were that good, but most of them were. I figured it was good enough, so we were in a rush. So we neglected to do the, uh, the stitch part of the stitch and glue method, and, it's, and she's held up fine. So once the joints were all uh, epoxied together, the whole thing got fiberglassed and painted. Um, and it turned out pretty good. I mean, it's, you know, it's clearly, we, it's, it's obvious it wasn't turned out by a professional boatyard, but I'm, I'm happy with it. And it's a really, it's a pretty design. Uh, I think John Wellsford did a, did a really good, good job. You know, it's a multi-chine hull, so it's not a round hull, but it's got a lot of volume and it's not just like a slab-sided, you know, plywood dinghy. So I think it's it's a it's a tall order to make a six foot boat pretty, and I and John Wellsford did it. 
um, you know, and given the name of the design is Scraps, you know, I think the bar was set relatively low, and I think I think at the very least we cleared the bar, so we're we're happy with it, and the and the, the dinghy's done done great for us. The other major project we had was to get um, electricity going on the boat. So we installed two solar panels. We mounted them on the uh, the stern rail. Two 50-watt solar panels feeding a 100-amp-hour battery. So we ran the wires down into the lazarette. I drilled a hole in the, the aft lazarette bulkhead um, and ran the wires down to the, to the battery, which is kind of sits fairly low in the bilge. Now, Ryan and I had never done any electrical work of any sort, so we had Don Casey's sailboat maintenance manual, manual out, literally had the, the textbook open reading from it as we're heat shrinking wire fittings and, and, and wiring the whole boat up. But it's a great book, and all of our work is held up, so uh, we must have done something right. Certainly Don Casey did. So the other side of getting ready was we had to move out of our house. So we were, for the probably the 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 year leading up to leading up to the trip we were selling stuff off on ebay uh which is mostly a fool's errand so most of the stuff we gave away or donated uh what we couldn't give away or donate we or decided we wanted to keep we put into a small storage unit and uh, we started moving out of the house we, we were renting this big old farmhouse and we finally moved out and but we hadn't moved onto the boat yet so we were sleeping on boat cushions in the house which i wouldn't recommend but it was a pretty crazy, stress, stressful, busy time. So we were we were kind of wrapping up at our wrapping up at our jobs, trying to finish all this work at the boat, trying to move out of the house, get it, keep everything clean, keep everything straight. Uh, we were putting in long hours, seven days a week, but but we made it happen. And just kind of to to put the uh, the cherry on top of our stress, at some point in there, hurricane Hurricane Joaquin was uh, was forecast to make landfall. And I had, I had blocked this out of my head until I was looking looking over my notes. But for probably a good week-long period there, uh, Hurricane Joaquin was forecast to make landfall in the Chesapeake Bay. So at this point, we had given notice to our jobs. We were get, we told our landlords that we were moving out, so they were looking for new renters. And we were get in the process of moving aboard, and we're looking at a pretty major hurricane potentially making landfall and just running right up the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, and we're in the, in the in the Virginia portion, the southern part of the bay. I mean, we could have really, really been screwed. So we were sweating it out, and we were very relieved to see Joaquin turn offshore. Um, as it was, we had a fair amount of wind and rain, nothing, nothing crazy, and some really high tides, some of the highest tides I've ever seen. So we were running out to the boat every high tide and uh, just checking lines and making sure everything, uh, everything stayed put. So that was a, a major relief when... Uh, when that was all passed. So then we moved on to the boat. If you can imagine packing for like a five month camping trip, we just had piles and piles of gear. And I'm looking at these, going through looking at these pictures and I'll, I'll post some on the website. I don't even remember what all this stuff was, but we crammed it all in there. There's jerry, we had jerry cans of water, food, clothing. Um, we had a big old cooler, waterproof cases. We had fishing gear. All kinds of tools, uh, an epoxy kit, spare parts, extra line. You, you know the drill. Just everything we could cram into an, into a, a little corner of a, of the boat got got full. So we put her down on our lines pretty good, but uh, but we fit it all in. Definitely, there was definitely people coming by, walking walking by on the dock, who uh, 
who doubted doubted that it would all fit, but but she's got deep bilges, so we made it happen. <laughs> um, and then at some point we just we said we were ready. You know, we were we had put in our notice. Our last day of work was I think October fifteenth, and we had wanted to leave a week after that. I don't think we quite made that, but uh, you know we finished everything we had to finish, and we said we're ready. So we started watching the weather. Um, and my parents came down to send us off and we, we started getting excited. We started getting a little nervous. And I remember distinctly, it was one of the, one of the last nights we were there at the Marina. We, uh, we got into the dinghy and we, we hadn't gone on a, on a real good test drive yet. So we, uh, it was, it was late. We had just finished up working on the boat and it was a full moon. And it was one of those flat calm evenings on the Chesapeake, not, not even a ripple. And so we rode out Lockley's Creek and uh, there's a little island out there, rode around the island a little bit. And we just, we quit our jobs. So we had this, I remember feeling this, you know, this feeling of freedom. And we, we both couldn't believe that we had, after running full tilt for months on end, that we had, we were just about there. So it was exciting. And uh, yeah, so I guess next week we'll, uh, we'll get into our, our first day out on the Chesapeake Bay. Until then. That's it for this episode of The Bonnie Boat. Thanks for listening. I know time is my most scarce resource these days, so I appreciate you uh, choosing to spend your time listening here. One of the reasons I decided to throw my hat into the podcast ring is to get in touch with other like-minded sailing maniacs. To that end, if you have any comments or suggestions, you can email me at thebonnieboat at gmail.com. You can find us online at thebonnieboat.wordpress.com. And remember, to be a sailor, you don't need a YouTube channel with 100,000 video subscribers. You don't need an Instagram account with pictures of beautiful people in their bathing suits. You certainly don't need a podcast. You don't even need a boat. You just need to go sailing. Until next time, this is Firefly standing by on Channel 16.